Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. In his letter to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul developed one of the most famous metaphors in the history of Christianity, the metaphor comparing the church to the human body. The comparison of a community to the human body was not original to the Apostle Paul. Long before Paul used it, the metaphor appeared in classical literature. Paul, however, gave the metaphor a revolutionary new twist. Previously, the metaphor of the body had been used to reinforce social hierarchies, suggesting that those who were at the bottom of society should stay put, obey, and support those who were above them in society, their military, mercantile, and political leaders. Paul used the metaphor of the body to advance a new kind of community, one whose structure of belonging had the promise of being more inclusive of different people, more appreciative of one another, more egalitarian and more concerned about the well-being of the whole body. As a missionary, <clears throat> creating communities out of people who had never come together before, Jews and Gentiles, enslaved and free people, people who had previously looked down on one another, even thought of one another as enemies, Paul became the ultimate community organizer and change maker. He knew that if we can change the way we meet, we can change the way we live together. Especially when he realized that the end of the world was not as imminent as he once thought, Paul became more and more interested in how these churches could be sustained in their life together. So he advised them, sometimes in person, but usually through his letters, on matters of building Christ-like community. Other than Paul's letters, one of the most insightful readings I have writings I have come across on the topic of building community is a book entitled Community, The Structure of Belonging, written by Peter Block. Because the experience of belonging is so critically important for the well-being of all individuals and of all societies, Peter Block doesn't want to leave the experience of belonging to chance. He seeks to define the structure of belonging so that the experience of belonging is not dependent on variables like personality. We can create structures of belonging, he writes, even if we're introverted or do not like to make eye contact. In reading Paul's letters to the many Christian communities he planted in Asia Minor and Europe, I think Paul was concerned to do the same thing. Since most of the time he couldn't be present among them, and since he, 
by his own admission, probably lacked the personal charm necessary to be the host with the most. It seems like Paul was trying to equip the churches with the structure and practices of belonging that build up and sustain the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, everyone experiences a sense of belonging, the foot and the hand, the ear and the eye, the Jew and the Greek, the slave and the free. In the body of Christ, no member is inferior or superior. No one is discounted or discarded. All deserve the same respect and care. Paul seems to have known this. He seems to have known that when everyone truly belongs, each person will take accountability for the health and well-being of the whole. Can you imagine how revolutionary and novel such a community was in Paul's day? It still is. My parents grew up in Korea during a time when a new social order was being created. Ever since the second century BCE, when the Han Dynasty had imported Confucianism from China into Korea, Korean society had been ordered strictly according to the Confucian class system. Landowners were at the top of the social hierarchy. They alone were educated and could become bureaucrats. Below them were farmers. Below them were technicians. At the bottom were business people. In Confucian society, women were basically treated as servants for men. This social order introduced to Korea in the second century BCE remained in place until 1885. What happened in 1885? On Easter Sunday, April 5, 1885, the first Protestant Christian missionary, a Presbyterian minister, the Reverend Horace Underwood, came to Korea. He could not get anyone to go to Korea with him, Korea at the time was called the Hermit Kingdom. It was still very much a land unknown to Westerners. As a stranger, he spent time learning the language, the people, and the culture, and teaching the Bible. One of the first things Reverend Underwood did was to create a Christian home and school for orphan boys. The next thing he did was to work with others to translate the whole Bible into vernacular Korean so that the Bible could be understood easily, even by those with the most basic education. His was the first effort in Korea to democratize literacy. So that all people could study the Bible, Reverend Underwood convened classes for the first time of men and women. These Bible classes marked the beginning of modern education in Korea, in which both men and women of all classes could be educated. Both my father and mother attended Christian high schools that were established 
by early Presbyterian missionaries who later came to work with the Reverend Underwood. In just one generation, the social order that had been in place nearly 2,000 years was transformed. A new social order was emerging, extending to everyone, despite class and gender, the sense of belonging to the body of Christ, Reverend Underwood and his colleagues opened up a world of new possibilities to all Koreans, one in which they could be empowered to create a future very different from the past 2,000 years. According to Peter Block, when we're trying to create something in the world that we've not had before, we need to detach ourselves from the stories that get us stuck. Stories about all the problems of a community, such as public safety, jobs, the local economy, affordable housing, youth, health care, and education. This may sound counterintuitive. Public debates and the things we talk to each other about are often about such problems. Certainly the media would not have us stop talking about problems. Peter Block says that while treating community as problems to be solved has a certain honesty about it, and you might say has gotten us this far, it doesn't have the power to bring about something new into the world. Too often, there's a hidden agenda in our talk about problems. That, that hidden agenda is perhaps a point to be made, to advocate, a political belief about what is important that stays constant regardless of the events of the day. Talking about problems, he says, we simply get stuck. In order to create something new, like a community in which everyone experiences a deep sense of belonging, we need to create possibility rather than talk about problems. How is possibility created? Possibility is created each time we show up when we meet, when the hand meets with the foot, the eye with the ear, when the Jew meets with the Gentile, the older person meets with the teenager, the police officer meets with the neighborhood resident, the business person meets with the landowner, the migrant worker meets with the fourth generation citizen. Possibility is created the possibility that the world will be different tomorrow as a result of our meeting today. You see, when even two or three meet in a spirit of prayer and possibility, the spirit who is the author of all gifts is present. Paul counted on this. Even if he was absent or if Jesus was absent, the community must gather because in the meeting of people, different people, the spirit binds us together so that we can be 
a gift to one another so that we can belong to each other.